standby. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubiculars podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubiculars. Today, my friends, is book Bowen. When you tell your friends about this, and I know you will, you're really going to want to hit those B's, both in book and in Bow Wednesday. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. That is a goddamn guarantee from me to you that I'm going to spoil the living shit out of this fucking thing. Wow, got a little dirty there. Got a little dirty. But that was just to sort of emphasize my point of spoileriness that will occur. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million (laughs) dollars. Oh, man. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. Because that is what helps others find podcasts and them growing and flourishing is what those does huh that will of course take us into our last piece of podcast related goodness which is today's sponsor which is the new restaurant that just opened up called the quest for lost gyros or gyros if you prefer Once again, today's sponsor is my new favorite restaurant, The Quest for Lost Gyros. Thank you to them. Very, very much appreciated. <coughs> burp. Delicious gyro gyro burp. That was... Uh, I think I might be getting sick. It sounds like my voice is different. Potentially, though, the, uh, the sort of deep slightly nasal quality is real sexy so hey ladies yeah in this book for wednesday episode i am going to talk about a book titled quest for lost heroes by mr david gemmel it is depending on what order you read them in book number four in the drenay series, or the Drenay Saga, if you prefer. I have seen it called both. If you've been following along, you know that this was coming, because I've read the first three and brought back the first three, which you may not know is something I wanted to mention here. Uh, I've given every book a 5 out of 5, or a 4 out of 5, I think, so far, uh, and I'm very, very much enjoying it, but that being said, because these books take place in sort of a very strange order that they jump around in the time stream quite a bit, it means that I can and am taking a little break from the series. It is a nine book series. So, so what I'm doing is after finishing the fourth book there, is uh, taking a little break. What I've done is read uh, one book so far and I got another two planned to read. And then I'm going to jump back into the series, okay? Just so you know sort of what's going on behind the scenes. This book 
Oh, you know what? Why don't I just tease, actually? I think even the book that I've read, which is uh, Rodney Dangerfield's <coughs> autobiography, uh, I'm probably going to combine with this book and do one sort of talk, okay? Okay. Uh, the other books, which I've already mentioned in a couple of podcasts, that I uh, am reading are The Shining by Stephen King, and the reason I want to do that is, one, because I'm a big Stephen King fan, and the other is that he just released a book called Dr. Sleep, which is a sort of continuation, I think it's like maybe 20 years down the road from The Shining, so in order to prepare myself to read that, I wanted to read The Shining, so there you go, Uh, now I'm going to hop into this book, which, once again, within this universe of the Drenay people. However, this time with a whole new cast of characters. This friggin' series, uh, it's a very interesting idea how it is going about doing it. It's not, so far, we haven't really seen characters come back in more than one book. I I suppose we kind of have. Like, uh, in this book, Tanaka Khan makes an appearance, however, makes an appearance as a ghost. Uh, this book focuses mostly on the heroes of Belazar, who were a group of four individuals who were sort of the last remains of an army that uh, Tanaka Khan and all his nadir people had just about crushed, and they were held up within a tower. And it was sort of these last remaining four versus the giant army of Tanaka Khan, and they refused to surrender. So, on the sort of last night before what of what would be their last day on Earth, Tanaka Khan, uh, just being the sort of dude he is, decides he's going to join them in their tower and have a little chit-chat. After this discussion, he made the decision that, you know what, uh, I'm going to count this as a loss and go away. You won. So, uh, I very much like that. It shows the sort of underlying honor of Tanaka Khan, uh, who we spoke of in a previous book. That's sort of very, very akin to the sort of Klingon way of life in that extremely honorable, but also very bloodthirsty. We then jump 15, 20 years down the road from this happening, and uh, sort of catch up with all these, with these four individuals and what they are doing. For example, Cheros, who is sort of the leader, the blade master of these four, has uh, taken up in a monastery and made the attempt to become uh, priestly and monkly, but uh, has difficulty doing so. His sort of turmoil at the beginning of this book comes in the form of a earl, an earl who wants him who wants Cheros to train his son in the martial arts. Uh, His son is a bastard and a prick and spoiled brat, so Cheros refuses to do so to the great anger of the Earl. The Earl, who then decides that he wants this man dead. Dead, I say, is probably what he uttered at one point. So Cheros decides it's time to hightail it out of there. Uh, on his way sort of out of town, he comes across a group of bandits ransacking a village, ransacking a village, and uh, stealing all its women and taking them away to be slaves, 
possibly sex slaves. You don't know. Among these villagers is a man, almost still a boy, by the name of Kial. That's spelled K-I-A-L-L? Kial? Sure. Who vows to get back these women and realizes that Charos is one of these heroes of Belazar and asks for his assistance in doing this. Charos is sort of world-weary, uh, doesn't much care, has a lot of experience and turmoil in his life, but decides, and almost it felt like shrugged his shoulders and said, yeah, fine, I'll help you, whatever. <laughs> no real sort of great commitment to join this quest. I mean, I guess his, his heart just doesn't seem to be in it, so kind of a reluctant hero, which... I, I like in a, in a fantasy novel, The Reluctant Hero. Folks, uh, I have to stop and get breakfast. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. What I'll do for you, though, is edit, edit, edit this out and be back in a moment. Hmm. Editing, editing, editing. On the road again. Road again. So... Much like I am on the road again, Kial and Cheros hit the road for the first time. Not again, though. Uh, their first sort of mission involves what I like to call getting the band back together. Sort of a la Blues Brothers, if you will. Cheros decides that the only way this quest has any hope of succeeding is getting his old pals from Belazar back together to uh, head out on this quest and rescue this girl and all the other girls who were stolen and kidnapped and put into slavery. So he heads on out and finds, first off, Finn and McGrig. Finn and McGrig, that's like a name of a Irish pub, but it is actually two people. Two people who are sort of living in the in the mountains, sort of mountain men is how I was picturing them. Uh, hunters, trackers, both just Robin Hood-like with their bow and arrow abilities. Uh, it was Finn, yeah. Finn hates humanity, with the exception almost only of McGrig, and uh, wants to avoid them at all costs. That kind of that kind of dude. Deep down, not such a bad guy, but outwardly old and crusty. So, I like him. Last, and probably certainly least, is Beltzer. Beltzer is a prick. A bastard, as well. Um, he's slovenly, stinky, a drunkard, wouldn't uh, cross the street to piss on you if you're on fire. But he's good with an axe. <laughs> so, there's that. He's ugly. He's like a giant bull. Super, super strong. And, uh, again, the hatred of others towards him is quite large. And yet, he's one of the heroes of Belazar. So, they decide they need him on the quest. Uh, I feel like even this week I have mentioned that I love a good quest. I'm just traveling from point A to point B. Oh, I mentioned it in my Her Video Games Day that I recorded uh, regarding The Last of Us, how a lot of that had a quest-like feel, traveling from A to B, from B to Z, and this follows that formula as well, to great effect. How about, before I forget, as I often do, we'll give out my rating of... This one I'll go four. Mm, yes, 
and perhaps not even a strong four, but a four nonetheless. I did enjoy it, but uh, some of the other books I've read in the series have been better. <coughs> Cheros decides that because, because they don't know where this woman was taken, the only way to find her is to get the aid of the Tattooed Man. Oh, the Tattooed Man. Uh, who, it's kind of interesting, this whole section involving finding the Tattooed Man and getting him, because I think that he was living and his people live in an alternate dimension. So it almost got a little sci-fi in that regard. You you travel there through a, like a magical gate, so that's the magic there, but uh, the alternate dimensions is more sci-fi, I think, than fantasy. The reason they need him is because he's able to track people's spirits. So he'll sort of go to where this kidnapping took place and then send out his being to follow the trail of this woman. This trail leads them to an encampment where Tanaka Khan's daughter is living. What? Tanaka Khan? From a previous book? Everything is all connected here, it seems. Uh, Tanaka Khan's daughter, who is fearing for her life, uh, I don't want to say fearing for her life being a sort of damsel in distress, because she is definitely a badass, not a weak woman at all would not want to tangle with her. However, her brother, who is now king of the Nadir people, king because he killed <laughs> because he killed Tanaka Khan with poison, he is probably out to get her, out to kill her. So she's a, a little fearful of that happening. Rightly so, because he sends men after her. Men who are killed by the heroes of Belazar, as well as Kial. So, she ends up joining the Tattooed Man, the four heroes, as well as Kial on this quest. They learn, through the daughter of Tanaka, that this woman was taken by the king of the Nairdir people, the emperor, the king, the leader of the largest nation on this planet. And this woman is now pregnant and about to burst with child, his only child, the heir to this kingdom. What? How is this possible? Well, uh, as I mentioned, that alternate dimension, when they were in there, time passed differently. So, that's that explanation. <laughs> a little, uh, yeah, whatever. It's an explanation. It's, it's one of those things in fantasy or sci-fi where you might as well just say magical things and then leave it at that. So that's what I'm going to do because I'm getting close to work and i got to speed up. Kial decides that, well, I made a vow that I was going to try to save this girl, and that's just what I'm going to do, even if it means my death. So, he heads off. Along the way, uh, I won't give away too, too much since I'm close to work, so it's easy not to spoil things just by saying members of this group die along the way. A actually, frankly, surprising mem number of these people die along the way. And the reason that I'm giving this a four and not a three is because... David Gemmel did manage quite well to get me attached to these people, so when they did die, I was very, very sad. So, that's a sign of a good book, I would say. Uh, something interesting that develops along the way is that, despite the fact that Kiao sent out, set out on this quest to rescue this girl, this girl, who I should mention, did not actually love him. They were not a couple. In fact, this girl was sort of betrothed to marry someone else, 
She, at one point, even said to Cal, uh, I like you, but you're too much of a dreamer, so I don't think we should be together. Despite all that, he still loved her. Aww, kind of sad. Welcome to the friend zone. The ultimate friend zone, where you go against an entire empire and try to rescue a girl friend zone, is what that is. However, along the way, he and the daughter of Tanaka Khan sort of, uh, you know, develop a little uh, thing there. She is at first sort of just amazed by his insecurity and his naivete, and that's what sort of draws her to him. They eventually make their way to the castle where they have to rescue this damsel, and the reasons are many. Most of them have to do with uh, again, magical things have to do with the baby that is growing inside this woman who has a sort of a, a, a future ahead of it foretold in prophecy. One of those kind of things where he's going to be the greatest leader of men that the world has ever seen. That, that kind of idea. There's, there's a whole, whole magically thing stuff there that I don't have time to get into. Which is kind of nice just for the reason that it's a bit of a double-edged sword that if you're not going to read this book now, you don't know what's going to happen. However, if you, if you are going to read it, uh, then I've just teased it perhaps enough for you to want to go check it out. Which I think you should. Definitely, if you are starting from the first book, Legend, and like that, you're going to like this book. There, there's, there's no doubt about it in my mind. Folks, I'm at work. Uh, I am going to come back for a little more. Just a brief talk on the autobiography of Mr. Rodney Dangerfield. So, uh, I will be back in eight hours to talk further. That will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, oh, my glob. Look at her butt. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back! Back in action! Hello again! That was a day at work, and there's no denying it. It is undeniable, you could say. I'm going to give you a little behind-the-scenes action, as I like to do from time to time, just to give you a bit of a feel. A feel, yeah. Of what's going on in the actual, factual universe. We are, of course, within the Liberal Cube, where it is a book a Wednesday. However, in the real universe, it is Friday. Folks, it is a Friday of a long weekend for me. For me, because on Monday, I do not have to go into work. Because I am, you know, I've taken it off. Vacation day. I have so many vacation days a year, and this coming Monday just so happens to be one. So, there you go. Because that means this is a Friday of a long weekend, I think uh, it's safe to say that we need to do a little something called the Friday Weekend Drive Home Primal Scream, which I feel like I haven't done in quite a while. So, let me explain. I'm going to yell very, very loud momentarily, but because I consider your ears my resource and do not want to harden them, what you're going to want to do is, at the count of three, turn down your gramophones. I assume, of course, you are listening on a gramophone. Here we go. One, two, three. 
feels good. And I was aware that it would. The Friday long weekend drive home primal scream, ladies and gentlemen. I think what I should do is hop right back into this book of a Wednesday without further preamble. What I'm going to do is kind of mash the second book in quick, quick, and I will explain why. Let me first tell you what the title of the book is. It is called It's Not Easy Being Me, colon, A Lifetime of No Respect, But Plenty of Sex and Drugs. Yeah. That's a pretty good uh, colon-filled title. It is the autobiography written by, as you can imagine, Rodney Dangerfield. Because quite often when it's an autobiography, it means the person it's about was also the writer. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's a rule. I like Rodney Dangerfield. I've always been a fan of his comedy. I think he's quite easily to say a comedy titan and has influenced many, many, many other comedians through just his comedy, through his personality, through actual factual events in which he has influenced them in person. Just put a great mark on the comedy world, and that is an amazing thing. Uh, To be funny, I think, is one of the hardest things to do, and he did it and did it consistently and was uh, sorely missed when he passed away. Uh, So, I sort of knew of his life as far as comedy went, and in recent, for some reason, in recent months and years, I've come to learn that he actually led a quite troubled life, suffered from depression, which, uh, this has come up so, so very many times on the podcast when speaking specifically of comedy, that comedians and depression quite often go hand in hand, so... You know, I'm in good company, I suppose, in that regard, as suffer. That's <sighs> such a strange way to put it. Suffer from depression. As I do as well. So, uh, you know, interesting. He had his uh, very, very dark days. Apparently, quite often using booze to deal with it. And uh, in later years, using pot. So, you gotta have your escape from your brain, I say. Mine lately, to be honest, has been this podcast, which is kind of interesting. Curious, curious. So I went into this book thinking that it was going to be sort of his life story and and what he has dealt with as far as the combination of comedy and depression, because that obviously quite interests me. And it does touch on that, there's no denying it. However, uh, I think more accurately, this book is sort of leaning more towards just a book full of jokes. So, uh, I wanted to, in that respect, do a convoluted rating, which is not unusual for me, but let me do my rating and you will see what I mean, and that is, if you go into this book thinking it's going to be a sort of full of interest, full of uh, facts about Rodney Dangerfield, about his life, and that's all you are expecting, I think you're going to go a low score, like a 2 out of 5, because you do not get that for the most part. If, on the other hand, you enjoy jokes, I think you're going to go probably even a 4 out of 5, because it is just brimming with jokes. And uh, I actually kind of wasn't looking for that, so I think I'd maybe go kind of right in the middle, give it a 3 out of 5. I was looking more for the serious side of Rodney Dangerfield, whereas a lot of what he said, uh, it even reached points where I kind of felt like 
I couldn't tell what was true and what was he was just making up for the purposes of having punchlines at the end of chapters. So uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't kind of not really like that. I, I'm pussyfooting around saying saying it, but no, I didn't really like that sort of feel to this book. Uh, the reason I thought I could do this in a sort of shortened book Wednesday episode and speak quickly of it rather than longly of it, as I often do, is just because to talk at length about a book full of jokes doesn't really make sense to do, I don't think. Uh, I would, if you like Rodney Dangerfield's sense of humor, I would definitely recommend this book. I think, uh, kind of, kind of in that regard, I might even classify this as kind of a bathroom book, where you just pick up and read while you're taking a shit, or perhaps more accurately, leaving a shit. Uh, sort of, he, yeah, that's kind of funny, uh, he actually mentioned in the book Henny Youngman, and I have a book of Henny Young, Youngman's jokes in the bathroom, because of, uh, just such a reason, you know, that take my wife, please, I don't know why, oh no, I do know why I have that, uh, I was my grandfather's, because, uh, Henny Youngman, a little before my time, <laughs> a lot before my time, to be honest, but, uh, you know. Sometimes the classics are good to revisit. Look at the Three Stooges. I still love occasionally checking out uh, their antics, and that uh, probably has something to do with the kid in me who is in a constant state of being immature. That's sort of uh, a Peter Pan syndrome, I do believe, which I can, on occasions, exhibit. X to the Z exhibit, even. All right, folks, see, I'm done. That's all I wanted to say. So, uh, yeah, that was short. We'll call this a episode and a half book Wednesday. Really, when you burl it down, that's just what it was. Uh, since I have an abundance of time here, why don't I throw out some podcast news? Uh, it's not really podcast news for many months now. It will not affect podcasting things, but... The missus and I, this weekend, are going to be putting a down payment on a new house. What? That's big, exciting news that has virtually nothing to do with the podcast. How it will affect is uh, when we do move, which won't be till June, July next year. Uh, the reason for that, it's a new build. It hasn't even been built yet, so that's kind of cool. Uh, it is closer to my work than currently. So, that's obviously going to affect the podcast, since I record this while driving to and from work. The way I think it's going to go is that uh, sometimes I'll do half episodes, so just the drive to work and not the drive home. I think that will potentially, possibly be a sort of thing of the past. Uh, one thing I will be sort of forced to do is to try to not do like I did with my most recent internet day episode and bite off more than I could chew. So it's uh, just going to tighten things up a little bit is what I do believe will happen. The other thing I could potentially do is have like a, uh, it's no surprise that every single week I don't have a movie Monday, TV Tuesday, book Wednesday, third radio games day or fry internet day. I don't have one of each every single week. So potentially on weeks when I do not have a full plate happens from time to time, but it is sort of the rarity. When I don't have a full plate, I could do, uh, like, episode and a half, like two, like a drive to work and from work, and then a drive to work the next day, like, that kind of thing. Many, many different configurations can happen. If you have any suggestions on how I could 
fit in what I normally fit in, uh, you know, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you in general, really. Uh, you can tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood. Email me to the address providing in the closing credit. Really, anyone out there listening, if you are, uh, do one of those. Seriously, love to hear from you. Why not? Why not? Give you a mention on the podcast if you so desire. If you so desire. You know what I desire? It's to end this podcast by saying that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, maywood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper